Welcome back to Clear the Air, the Simply Stogies podcast, cigar podcast, after show. I'm your host, Tim, and like always, I bring James and Nick back to the mic so we can talk about the latest and greatest episode and just have some good laughs and good cigars. Uh, I'm going to introduce uh, the the primary host, the main host first in this episode. Uh, you'll know him as the guy who's always balls deep. It's James. James, how you doing? What are you smoking? Uh, oh, did I, I miss I, something? I, 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 don't, I meant well, balls I, deep I don't, in cigars. Yeah, I was like, where, where are you going with this? And then I was just <laughs> waiting for you to introduce Nick first. No, no, <laughs> like no. The main, like, I was like, all right, it's going to be Nick. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for thanks for having us back, Tim. I see you're wearing what you wore last time. It's just super comfortable. I promise. Yeah. I have washed it. Sure, sure you have. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever you say, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you smoking? I am smoking in uh, honor of you know this 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 podcast being all about the uh, Cuban cigar. Uh, I am smoking the H Upman Cuban Magnum 46, one of my favorite. Uh, and I uh, bought this long before the 300% price increase from Habano SA. Mm. So whatever they're worth now, wasn't I didn't pay nearly that. Well, there wasn't a 300% price increase on the H. Upmans. It was only on the Cohiba and the Trinidads. Okay, so was how much was the price increase. increase on this? 200%? 150%? No, I, uh, by the t- maybe since you bought that, when did you buy it? Uh, this would have been, I just looked at it. 2018 is when this was rolled in box. All right. So at least 25% probably maybe more. Okay. Yeah. Like usually it, they usually raise it 5% a year minimum. Um, but it was only the other ones. And I think it was a little bit more than that just to try to raise those prices as well. But it was really Cohiba and Trinidad that had the well, big price. So huge increases. I, I remember Nick being able to get a box of, of H Upman half, Coronas, which is Tim's favorite Cuban. In fact, that's the only Cuban Tim will smoke. Uh, I remember getting a box of that for, I could get it on sale for $89, $79. And now when I go to look at it, it's almost $300 for, for a box of HUHC. It's ridiculous. I, I well, mean, it's all secondary market, official, right? It's yeah, not, that's what I was going to say. It's not all the price increases didn't all come from Habanos. Then there's the supply and demand price increases that came from all the places that you buy your Cuban cigars. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of my favorites. I really, I really do uh, enjoy this. This was one of the first uh, Cuban cigars I was introduced to. Uh, and I really like the H. Upman uh, brand uh, in, in Habano SSA. I think it's one of my uh, favorite brands. Um, they've got the, uh, the uh, Winston Churchill. They've got the Magnums uh, that I really enjoy. And then, of course, the the Half Corona, which when I was smoking outside in the winter here in the Midwest, like that was that was my go to. I love that cigar. So. Well, just so that everybody knows, the other guy who just jumped into the conversation with James before I got to introduce him, that's your favorite co-host. Well, everybody knows now. Nick, how are you doing? What are you smoking? I'm smoking a cigar. I, I, uh, I, uh, it's unfortunately not a Cuban, but I do smoke quite a number of Cubans, but just forgot to bring some with me today. Uh, so it's a non-Cuban cigar that I'm smoking and I am here to do the show. You are, you're, do it. Yeah, you're, you're in, you're in your uh, typical lounge, right? So you hear the background noise. There's a lot going on. 
it's typical, but it's more noisy than usual because there's construction going on in the front part. So everybody's moved to the back. So I see there's more noise on this episode than the last one. I don't know if it's the headphones or what. Oh, you know what the difference is? Uh, without getting into the technical, I noticed that the everything changed as soon as you hit record. Camera, echo cancellation went off. Um, but whatever. Uh-oh. Let's just keep going. Yeah, we're not just keep going. Into that hard Power through. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am obviously uh, not a cigar smoker because uh, I – as James said, I don't really enjoy Cuban cigars. Uh, I don't think that for me, they're just, they're not what they're all hyped up to be. Although the H Upman, that one, the short, uh, is it the short Corona, short Robusto? I just that one it, I do the, like. H, the yeah. H-U-H-C, H Upman, half Look, Corona. that's yeah. spoken from Corona, a person yeah. that normally does not smoke Cuban cigars. True, yeah, you have 100%. Not, you have not really acquired the taste of a Cuban cigar. You've come from the other side. Most people in the world start with Cuban cigars and now are venturing to non-Cubans and are appreciating the non-Cuban blends that are out there. But a lot of people are quick to slam Cuban cigars and Cuban blends. And there's a lot of things you can say negatively about them. I'm going to say that the nuances are many as well on a Cuban cigars. When you have a good Cuban cigar, it's a good cigar. Yep. So 100%. people can continue to, to trash them. <clears throat> And I, I venture to tell people, if you really think, then you've never either smoked an authentic Cuban cigar or you just don't have the taste for it because your palate is so on the other side, it takes a while to appreciate something that you're not used to smoking. Sure. There's and no I palate. wasn't trying to knock Cubans or, or anything like that. No, I know. Like that. But it's just uh, you don't understand it. You don't appreciate yeah, it because nope. you uh, haven't smoked 100%. enough of them to really have an, uh, uh, you know your own thoughts on a Cuban cigar. How many have you had in your lifetime, Tim? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Definitely not near, probably less, probably than, less than, no, I'd say less than 20. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Then you, you don't have, no, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. Nick, oh, let me. Not, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and leave this episode. <laughs> you guys. I'll see you. I'll see you in an hour. Nick, let me ask you this, because this is something that, uh, you know, I said in the last episode when we were recording this, so you all know. Uh, but uh, today, Charlie Bonato put out his his 10 questions for 2024. And in it, he mentions Cuban cigars specifically, talks about the price increase and how uh, those in the uh, industry uh, that are in the non-Cuban side of it always look uh, point to the, the construction issues uh, and the quality issues that Habanos SA seems to have with a lot of their stock. And then, you know, it's uh, you know, the, 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 the price increases in the last, uh, you know, few years. And they point to that and they're like, ours is objectively better, but Charlie points out and rightfully so. And he talked about it a little bit uh, on the episode that, that we had him on uh, is that quality control has kind of gone down uh, across the board when it comes to non-Cubans as well. It is, it's not something that is, uh, anymore just uh, relegated to Habanos SA. Like, and these are, and I'm not going to mention names, but there's a very popular brand who put out a very limited edition that is not selling well. And everyone I've talked to who has smoked it said the quality of these cigars is terrible. The draw is awful, the construction's awful. 
you know, this one's so underfilled that I can squeeze it. Uh, you know, so it's not, it's not just Habanos SA anymore. It's everybody else. Do you see Habanos SA and some of these non-Cuban um, brand owners fixing that anytime soon? Or is it, well, they're selling and we've raised the prices and we continue to raise the prices. And this cigar I'm talking about is, is a, it's more than $30. I'll put it, I'll, I'll leave it there. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, that goes to the individual factories and the countries that they're in. Uh, I've always said the one thing you can say about a non-Cuban cigar is construction should be just spot on. Um, it all depends on how they're running the factory individually. When you're talking about Cuba, you're talking about a government. You're talking about, you know, the people there, the, the employees that are working are literally, you know, government workers in one way. And not technically not. I mean, they're being paid. Uh, a subpar salary, um, and therefore, when their construction issues are happening, you can almost, not that you should accept it, by no means, they should. I'm hoping that they, uh, you know, I, I think they're working on it, but, you know, within the system that's in place, it's difficult. You know, there is a high percentage of uh things that would normally not make it through on another factory floor. Let's just put it that way. And yeah. it's unfortunate because I think a lot of the tobaccos that are being used are still very good. Uh, but yeah, when you have a bad smoke, when you are not able to smoke your cigar, I don't care how good the tobacco, how good the blend is, what are you going to remember? That it smoked like shit, you know, and it's unfortunate because it doesn't need to be especially when the prices are being increased. But I will say that even in Cuba, the different factories that are rolling these cigars, they say, you know, the Leguito factory, which, you know, only does Cohibas and Trinidad's and some of the other ones that they are, you know, working better uh, with those. And I don't know. I haven't bought a lot of Cuban cigars, I'll be honest with you, in the last, you know, couple of years to really know the difference. The ones that I'm getting have been spot on for the most part, but Either they're being gifted to me by Habanos or, or coming, you know, from certain people. That, so, uh, you know, they've been pretty good. Um, but when we were buying for the retail stores and lounges in the Middle East, the percentage of, let's say, failure rate was way too high. And I think in general, people will still say, I don't know, I'd have to really survey the retailers out there. You know, uh, Rob Aiello would probably be better to answer that than, than I would at this point. Yeah. kind of out of the loop. I used to go to Cuba every month. Now I'm there, you know, once a year, twice a year. So it's a totally different game. Uh, so I don't have that uh, feedback to be able to give. I was trying to play a little bit earlier on if I don't knew, if I didn't know who Rob was, I'm not a real cigar smoker. And uh, maybe it's because I'm not into the Cuban scene. I, I, I was like, well, wait a second. Who is this? Is, is this your friend? Uh, from Australia that we've talked about in the past? No, no, it's no. Not. He happens okay. to live in Australia. Rob Aiella, okay. you know, and he told the story, you know, on the podcast, he has been a retailer and an online seller of Habano cigars for many years and now has this collaboration with uh, Rob Fox, with the Bond Roberts, and uh, with the auction house and everything else. So people that smoke Cuban cigars... Uh, even in the United States, would most likely 
would have heard of him because he's had the website slash I don't know what you call it a blog forum? post not really forum, forum. the I would forum call it yeah. Forum. yeah yeah his forum has been around forever and I there's not one Cuban cigar smoker that I've met spoken to that doesn't know who Friends of Habanos are they are one of the major um, retailers you know online retailers you know that sell authentic you know Cuban cigars. There are others, but for Americans to be able to buy and other people, there there's not a lot that you can really trust, you know. So, you know, um, he's somebody's known in the cigar world of Cuban cigars. If you don't smoke Cubans, know nothing about Cubans, uh, and don't buy Cuban cigars, there's a good chance you probably haven't heard of them. And well, that's why we did this podcast. I didn't bring this up when we talked to him, Nick, and I and I sitting here kicking myself because i really wish i had friends of abanos is who i reference all the time uh when it comes to mold versus plume uh they very famously put out a, a post on the forum saying look if you can prove to us that plume exists if you have a cigar that you think has plume and it's not mold send it to us and we will send it out third party to get it tested if it comes back as something other than mold, you get a $500 gift card to, to FOH. They have never paid that out because oh, there is no plume. There is only mold. And so well, I think I, plume I used, is another version of mold. You know? <clears throat> right. Well, people always say, no, 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 it's plume. It's not mold. It's plume, which is right. Quit it, trying you, to church it, you, it up. Yeah. Well, I think when you, when you look at, uh, and, and we'd have to have a pipe smoker on, but when you look at pipe tobacco, pipe tobacco will sometimes crystallize. The sugars on it will crystallize if it sits around long enough. And it's white, and it's not mold. It's just the sugar crystals on the tobacco uh, that, that crystallize. So that's a, a, a plume. It's not a mold. But on, on cigars, if you have white spots on your cigars and you think to yourself, man, I've got something great here. Look at all this plume. <laughs> look at all this plume. All you're doing is smoking mold, you dumbass. There is like, that's it. It's not plume. It's mold. Like clean your fucking humidor. <laughs> Come on. Like, give me a break. So, uh, you know, when you talk about non-Cuban smokers, that's where non-Cuban smokers, in my opinion, should know about Rob and know about friends of Habanos because while, yeah, he's a Cuban and a Habanos essay, like retailer, he knows his stuff when it comes to cigars and, it is a great place for me as somebody who came into the hobby, what, six years ago now, not knowing anything. It was a great resource for me to be able to have access to like years of these forum posts talking about getting into the hobby and what you need to look for, how to spot fake Cubans, plume versus mold, uh, all of that kind of stuff that, that can overwhelm a new cigar smoker, somebody coming into the lifestyle, into the hobby. And, and so Rob Ayala, is one of these guys like Nick. He just, he knows cigars. He knows the industry intimately. <clears throat> and, and he does a, he does a great job uh, facilitating uh, a place for cigar smokers, uh, in particular Cuban cigar smokers, but cigar smokers in general to go and, and to learn and to, you know, have a place to, to, you know, find a little bit of information and maybe find some friends. You know, that's a great point, uh, James. Even if you don't smoke Cuban cigars never plan to, I suggest you at least visit his website because he can really 
disseminate a lot of information on basic cigar. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all the same. It's a, it's rolled up, you know, leaves that are being smoked, whether it, the origin is Cuba or otherwise. So yeah, you can learn a lot about cigars from that site and that forum. Like you said, years and years, it's been on forever. And some of the most biggest cigar collectors, smokers, uh, all know that site. So if you haven't heard of it, I think you, you're doing yourself a disservice to at least check it out and see what, what you think of it firsthand. Well, and it sounds like the people who are in that community, in that forum, it sounds like you have a lot of knowledge there and a great group of people who are out there like kind of advocating for the Cuban cigar market, you know, like, you know, spotting fakes. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting where, you know, his people, and, I, and I, I'm not saying his people, I should say uh, the, the, the people who frequent the forum, the website, they really are paying attention and they seem like they're really knowledgeable and really involved. Yeah, I think he's done, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, I think Rob has done a fantastic job in curating the type of people that he wants on the forum. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, if you are a part of any group, any, any, any cigar group out there, there are trolls, there are uh, folks who have uh, an agenda that is uh, beyond just camaraderie with fellow brothers and sisters of the leaf. Uh, you know, and I have experienced this myself with, with certain clubs and, and, and certain online forums. Um, Friends of Abanos is not that it has been around a long time. And like Rob said, there's not a whole lot of moderation he has to do anymore. His, his members take care of the moderation for him now. And so that's, to me, that's a feather in his cap. He's curated like who, who his customer base is. And that's a testament to, again, his knowledge and his passion for the industry. Yeah, it's self-policed, which is a wonderful way to be able to do that. And I think the members themselves, like you said, they do it for him, you know. Uh, but again, it's him setting out the boundaries, the guidelines for so many years. And there's people that have been on that forum for, I don't know how long it started, but at least a decade <laughs> or two. You know, Since the beginning and, of the internet. You know, so, he, yeah, it's been out there for a long time. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, because when you were talking, well, you're talking about, you know, like grabbing people and, and kind of, or drawing that line in the sand and then standing by that line. And then the people who want to be there, they basically identify that line and then they stand on that line. And they're like, hey, I'm proud of this. I, I, I like what we're doing here. I want to keep it this way. And yeah, there is that 1%, whatever that number is, that's trolling or just, I think I know everything, so I'm just going to go out there and cause havoc. But I think that's just, I might actually go out there and join just so that I can, what would you call it, creeping? Yeah, just creep. Yeah, that's what just I, creep. I, I've been a member of that for the last six years of uh, friends of com, And I have posted exactly zero times. I think uh, it's always when I, whenever I go, I'm looking for something specific. I'm looking for, uh, you know, specific information or, or, or whatever, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those forums that literally has everything. It's been around so long and is so well maintained and well run. You'll find whatever you're looking for there. 
So that episode was like an hour and a half, unedited, raw, hour and a half. Can you just sit back and listen to that accent for like days? <laughs> no, you question. Can't you? I love the accent. Like some of the shit that he said just had me rolling. Oh, yeah. He's a funny and, guy, but like the accent didn't make me laugh. It's an Australian accent. Do you laugh at like Brooklyn accents, Tim? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> you don't hear you don't hear the accent. And, uh, you know, disclosure, little sausage making, uh, whatever you call it. Sometimes I try to like fast, like double, like listen at 2x. Not with an Australian accent, you're not. <laughs> you cannot do it. You're just like, oh, I got to listen in real time. Yeah. Well, I mean, beyond that, Rob is such a personable guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I didn't know him from Adam, right? Like, and he wouldn't know this. And I was going to bring it up on the show. And I thought, oh, well, nah, it's kind of cheesy. But, like, uh, <laughs> I, I once hosted a, a, a Cuban split. Um that it was it was it was a lot of money and right. most of it was from from friends of obama's and so dealing with them on a business aspect uh was easy it was super easy even even when uh the credit card company made it hard they made it super easy we got it figured out took care of it literally within 20 minutes and they're on the other side of the world so I have nothing. Literally. But, yeah, literally. Yeah, and I, yeah, literally. So I have nothing but great things to say about Friends of Abanos from a business standpoint. Uh, and if anyone from the U.S. government's listening, I was in Australia and bought them there. And then brought them back. And you, you came back by boat. By boat. <laughs> you know, uh, James, yes. that's also still illegal. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any Cuban cigars you, at all. Well, you, okay, that's different. If you're saying... You went there and purchased them and brought them back like that's well, I, make I a smoked difference? them on the boat on the way home. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it was a long boat ride, that's for it sure. It was a, well, it was a long time ago. I don't even have Cuban cigars anymore. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what's happening right now. So uh I liked the fact that he said that when he started Friends of Habanos, right? Five thousand dollars was the initial purchase. And whenever somebody like for me, that's a good chunk of change. But whenever somebody says, oh, in in this case, 1995, I spent $5,000 to start this business. The first thing I do is jump on the old Googletron and say, what is $5,000 in 1995 valued at today? And it is less than $100 shy of $10,000. Yeah, okay. that is crazy. But that's okay. But still, in the grand scheme of things, for as large as FOH has become, mm -hmm. a ten thousand dollar initial investment isn't really that much. And especially on yeah, uh, not at all. Yeah, especially when it comes to to, to cigars. Uh, and something that I don't think a lot of folks think about is if you look, if you want to become a retailer, right? And let's say you have $5,000. It's what you're going to start with is $5,000. So you buy $5,000 worth of cigars, okay? So you keystone that, right? It's usually keystone from the company. So now you're, you're doubling that. So let's say your $5,000 bought you, just for the sake of easy math, 100 cigars. You sell those 100 cigars, you've made $10,000. <clears> so you got your $5,000 back. But now you've got to take that same 
$10,000, you take that 5,000 that you first played with, you put it back in, you buy another hundred cigars. Now you've made that $5,000 back with another $5,000 on top of that. Now you've made money. It takes three times for you to buy and sell until you're free and clear. And then you can start taking more of that money and putting it into the, so it's not the easiest thing in the world. And especially with something that is, I don't want to say it it, it is unknown, but I think that depending on where you are in the world, selling cigars can be difficult. And so I can also tell you in business, in business, you don't take your money out initially if you want to grow. So he put in his initial 5,000 when he doubled his money, so to speak. He didn't take the 5,000 put in his pocket. I guarantee no. you that no. he spent that and then that and doubled and then tripled until he kept trying to keep up with the demand of the business. In any business, that's generally what happens. If you are able to put your initial investment after one turn, either you're not going to grow very quickly or you're not growing enough is the way I look at it. Yeah, no, well, I, I don't disagree. I, and I think there has to, there has to be uh, some level of confidence uh, in, in your business model in order to do that. And I think Rob's got a great business model. I mean, obviously he does. He's been around forever. And now expanding into Bond Roberts uh, and the auction side of things, which, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I, I understand why it exists. Um, you know, he, he has done very well for himself very well well i think part of his business plan uh and it seems like from back even in his banking days you know uh of i'm always going to take care of of people and i'm going to be loyal and i'm going to deliver on my promises and that whole story about how the bank and the customer and whatever and him doing what he did i was like oh yeah that's somebody who uh, you can trust yeah, I, I, there's certainly that element to to running a business as well. <clears throat> Jesus, excuse me. Where I, I I've always said because I come from a retail background, I've always said that that uh, customer service is is king. Nobody ever remembers what you sold them, but they always remember how you made them feel. So if you can mm. make them feel like they're the most important person on the planet at the time of sale, like guess what, they're going to come back. So uh, Rob is that guy. I think he he runs his business like he wants to be treated from other businesses, and that serves him very well. Yeah. And I, the other I, part of it on the retail thing is you, you if you have 10 customers and nine are happy, but the one guy is not happy, who's going to bark the loudest? The yep. one guy that wasn't happy is going to do more talking than the other nine that we're happy. So you got to make sure you try to make everybody happy. I know it's a hard thing to do. It's an impossible thing to do, but you have to strive to try to make every single customer happy in any business. That's, that's interesting because I see uh, for a local business that I recently had an interaction with, um, was it the best interaction? Probably not. But in the end, my service is working and, and what have you. But they keep sending out emails. Hey, take this survey, take this survey. And I don't because everything is fine. But you know who, it, who does fill out those surveys? The person who's pissed off or got something to yell about. Mm. So <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know how 
how how true that is because well, I, and I could just I I can only speak from my experience, Tim. Okay. Um. You did a great job down here building this, <clears throat> uh, but the folks who came in to finish it did a less than stellar job. Um, and and they asked me to do a survey, and I politely declined because there would be there would be no positives. Uh, and, and so I'm not the you, guy you took who took the high road. I did. I took the high road. Um, and so I think there are some folks out there that will do that, but I think in <clears throat> in a situation where if it were if it were cigars. And I've had I've run into this situation where I bought a box of of cigars from somebody who was not uh, FOH, uh, and they came in, and uh, a lot of the feet were were cracked, the 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 heads were cracked. They were just not they weren't shipped right, they weren't stored right, whatever the case was, uh, you know. And I reached out to this company, and I was like, hey, you know, what can you do for me? Oh, we'll send us pictures. So I sent them pictures. I think they gave me like a three dollar fucking credit. They're like, wow. well, you can. They're like, well, you can smoke all those. I'm like, well, no, I can't. Whatever. Like, just you guys suck. And I just did, never bought from them again. <clears throat> right. You know. Well, I mean, because you, you're buying a product and it's displayed as a product. If it doesn't arrive, somewhat resembling that product, I want my money back. I didn't get what I paid for. Uh, yeah, the, but look, there's in some cases you just you'll never get that. Not everybody has Rob Ayala's, uh a business sense and customer service uh, acumen that he does, and they don't care. And so I think it, it ultimately ends up where those places will ultimately go out of business because they just don't have that culture of customer service where Rob obviously does and his team obviously do. And they they go to great lengths to make sure you're not getting fake Cubans. They're going to greater lengths to make sure they're not putting fake Cubans up on Bond Roberts on the auction site. Like they're going above and beyond with every interaction to make sure that their customers are taken care of. Which is crazy when they were talking about that marketplace and the thirty percent rejection uh, that uh, of the products that. And I, I'm assuming because again, if you haven't figured this out yet, I'm unfamiliar. People can sell their cigars on this website and they have a team that vets the products that are being sold. And if they see something that doesn't look right, then they won't sell it. Like that's yeah, pretty cool. They, they won't even let you put it, put it up there. And I know, and I, I'm sure Nick can speak to this as well, but I know that there are some non-Cuban manufacturers that are, that, that, dabbled in the you know we need to make sure that no one's counterfeiting our stuff there's not a whole lot of counterfeit non-cubans out there there's just not but there there's are some a, there's some yeah but there's no, but comparatively no comparatively yeah, yeah not a, not no. a fraction no not a yeah. fraction of what is what is counterfeited when it comes to cuban cigars and Why? so it's very important like if you're purchasing cuban cigars no matter where you're at in the world that you're making sure that you're buying from somebody that you trust. Otherwise, you're going to get taken for a ride. Why do you suppose that Cuban cigars are so counterfeited? Like Because when they're good, they're the best cigars on the planet. Hands down, bar none. Look, I could take this Magnum 46, for example. The last one I pulled out of the box before I, before I pulled this one out of the box smoked like shit. It was plugged. I was, it was draw issue after draw issue. I 
could stab the fuck out of it with my perfect draw tool. Just absolutely terrible. This one I pulled out, I cut. You guys watch me. I lit it up. It fucking smokes like a dream. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. The flavor profile on it, on a good Cuban cigar, is unlike any flavor profile of any other cigar on the planet. And that's not taking away from non-Cubans because non-Cubans are great cigars too. It's a different type of flavor profile that you're only going to get from Cubans. So I always thought... Like, ask Nick. Wait, 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 wait. Ask Nick. Okay. Nick, well, the only thing I'll add to that is if you speak to people that predominantly smoke non-Cubans and dabble in smoking Cubans, most people that I talk to tell them that it's not their favorite. It's not what they prefer, and they're not going to go for it. Either they haven't really opened their minds and their taste buds or really noticed because the nuances are a lot harder to pick up. They really are uh, in the differences where with a non-Cuban, because you're mixing tobaccos from different regions, different countries, you're getting a whole different, different product altogether. But Cuba does produce some amazing tobacco. And when they are good, they are good. But I believe we are definitely, especially in this country, being the United States, are in the minority that feel that way. I do believe that for sure. Yeah, I just always thought that, and again, my my uh, in-person interaction with Cuban cigars was a little storefront on one of the very, the smallest military bases in the Middle East. And I was like, all right, cool, they've got some Cubans. I'm smart enough to know that if it's got a plastic or a glass top, it's probably not real. I know uh, that it, much. It, it's not just probably, probably it is not real. <laughs> right. But I laughed because I saw people go in there and they're just, Oh, I got Cubans. I got Cubans. And so for me, it's like, Oh, these are probably faked because especially when Americans are around, because it's something that they don't have access to. They think it's the best. And when they see it, they're just going to buy it. And it's just a money grab. That, that's kind of why I always thought, Cuban cigars were counterfeit. Oh, they're they're counterfeited because they're hard to they're hard to get in the United States, and they're counterfeited counterfeited even more now because they're just basically hard to get anywhere. Like for example, and I expensive wanted, and very expensive, and, yeah, and expensive. Like if I like I said, if I wanted a box of H. Upman Half Corona, well, it's almost three hundred dollars now. It where before it was like eighty bucks. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it, it, it's supply and demand. It's there's, there's not enough supply and there's way too much demand. So you're going to have, when that happens, you're going to have counterfeit because they make money. Like, look, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell this story cause I've told it before. Uh, Nick knows this story because he's part of it. Uh, he was doing a tour in Cuba one year and a, a mutual friend of ours, Randy Carmichael, uh, writer, author, uh, here at simply Stokies and producer, uh, <clears throat> Nick tells everybody, don't go buy Cubans from these people because like they're probably they're probably fake. Like just you I'll tell you who to buy them from. Like you can buy them from here, you can buy them from here, but don't buy them from some, you know, Joe Schmo, some chooch off the fucking street. So Randy does the exact opposite, which is a very Randy thing to do. He does yeah, the exact what Randy opposite. does. It does. It is. It is. And he buys some from some chooch off the street. And they're they're Cohiba Maduro's. <laughs> And they're fake as fuck. 
and he like he i almost smoked one tonight because we we cut it open we cut one open uh at his house one night to make sure that you know there wasn't like you know rat turds or hair and paper clips or anything which you could find <clears throat> which you could absolutely find but these were it's all long filler so it they're probably kind of legit whether or not they're actually a cohesive maduro who knows um so yeah like people don't listen because they want the cuban cigars like that's how how big this the demand is is uh, well shit i'll take a i'll take a chance and i'll spend a few hundred bucks on a on a box of of what might be fakes on the off chance that they're they're real and they're going to smoke nice which would piss me off if i purchased a box and then later decided to sell them on the site and found out that they did the research and yeah they're fake like what i spent how much money for this well i'm sure part of the vetting process is where did you buy them you know if you said i bought it from some guy on the street of cuba they're going to tell you no you know they're only they well they're not even going to try it so if you're trying to sell something they've been worse when i've done these tours where people have not listened to me have bought something on the street and then I'll cut one open and I'll show them what's inside. And they're like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't listen to you. I'm like, look, I don't care whether you it's buy whatever yeah, you it's buy. It's your money. Yeah, You yeah. want to buy that? Yeah, I'm just telling you, you're here. You spent all this money to come to Cuba. If you really want to smoke an authentic product, buy it from a Casa de Albanos. And, and to be perfectly honest, in the past, there have been some Casa de Albanoses that were not selling real, authentic now, they may be Cuban tobacco, but there's been so many things. You know, when you have people there that are starving for money, they will do anything. And I don't even want to get into all that, but, you know, your best chance of buying an authentic Cuban cigar from Habanos is from uh, La Casa de Habanos. But there have been instances which I can, which I documented with Habanos that I've bought and I brought it to Habanos and they said, can you believe this? I purchased. Here's a receipt from La Casa de Banos for this box, and look what I got. And they looked at me. Were they surprised? They acted surprised, but I'm sure they've heard it many, many times before, <laughs> right? Because they know what's going on more than I did. And now I would not even bother to send that. But it was in my early days, and I was just so like shocked that oh my god, you know, it's like you're going to the Ford dealership and you're buying a Ford that's not really a Ford. I mean, you're like, are you crazy? But like. That happens there. It's happened. I don't know. Hopefully not so much these days, but it does happen. Yeah. And you happened. know what? The, the, what I wish I would have done years ago, three, four years ago, whenever it was that I met uh, my the guy who keeps my hair gray, James, uh, when he was trying to get me uh, to uh, try uh, or get me into Cuban cigars, I almost wish I would have bought more boxes. I wish you would have too. <clears throat> yeah, because. I think that's kind of cool. Like it, well, it sucks that the prices have inflated so much, but it is cool when you have those products. And then, uh, like Rob said, you know, people have family emergencies, things come up and they have that product that they can sell and make some money on to help their lives out. It's, I mean, it's almost kind of like, right. There's your art that you just collected well yeah I, I you're not you're not wrong um and that's a weird it, it, it's a weird space uh for me I, I it just is i i and i but i understand it i've known guys who've been like hey like i need a new new roof i gotta sell ten thousand dollars of cigars 
and are able to sell ten thousand dollars worth of, of Cuban cigars, and and they're they're fine. So it's definitely, I think, cigars can be an investment, uh, specifically Cuban cigars, not so much right. non-Cuban cigars, but people have taken some of the things that folks do with non-Cuban cigars, uh, for example, age them for a decade or two. And they do that. They try to apply that to non-Cubans. And I don't, I, I guess I don't see the need to do that. Non-Cubans are meant to be smoked right away. They're rolled like, Nick, when you blend a cigar, you don't blend a cigar for somebody to have it sit in a humidor for five years before they can smoke it. When Habano no, but, says, hey, bl when but if you smoke it a year later to two years later, it's only going to be better. Even a non-Cuban will be better. Yeah. Sliding your humidor and everything is yeah, everything, set up yeah, correctly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't just throw it on your dashboard and forget about it for two years. Like, But I think the difference Randy. is this, is, is pre, and I, I will put an asterisk here, pre-2019. If you bought a Cuban cigar, if you bought a box of Cuban cigars, you knew that that was going to have to sit for minimum two years because it was just too young. The, the, the tobacco was too young. You, you were going to get an ammonia taste. It was going to make your tongue fuzzy. And it's just not a great, it's not a good smoking experience. But if you wait the two years, you have some patience, which my patience has paid the fuck off. Because these the, the Cuban cigars that I have right now are smoking better than a lot of the other stuff that, I, that I've uh, been buying in the last two years. Um, it, then, yeah, it's, it, it's worth it. But with non-Cubans, like you they're blended and they're they're shipped to be smoked immediately and while they may smoke better or just as good two three four five years down the road you're not going to get a return on that investment if you have to sell those like you will on a cuban cigar and that's even pre bond roberts pre uh pandemic pre you know raising the prices the return on investment for cuban cigars has always been better at least here in america than the return on investment of aging non-cuban cigars would you would you agree with that Nick? Uh, absolutely that's a very safe statement i mean there are some unique circumstances where a non-cuban uh cigar will have an appreciation uh because of supply and demand i remember when the 150 partagas came out and that was in the 90s you know and i held some of those man they were not only very good but they got better and they were the price went crazy but there's few circumstances like like that but it's very very small percentage compared to the cuban stuff yeah no, i can't think maybe opus x uh maybe some of their like super rare super limited stuff uh will will age and appreciate in value um but i still don't think it's on the level of what cuban cigars no, no. do like you know no not and that's at all a, no no and it's the same type of deal as the supply and demand deal right because there's more demand for opus than there are is the supply of opus uh and it's the same with cuban there's a much larger demand for cuban cigars than there is supply and there there probably always will be at this point i mean just in the conversations you and i have had nick especially during the cuban sub series is that if, if cuban cigars uh were magically taken off the embargo list uh tomorrow I think that changes the landscape of Cuban cigars in a way that Cuban cigars probably will not be the same ever again. So part of me is like, 
you know, if we keep the embargo in place, at least Cuban cigars aren't going to change. But if they open it up and we can do business there and, and everything else, I feel like a lot of the non-Cuban folks are going to come in and start buying up yeah. some of that tobacco. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I used to think that. I think that people that really want Cuban cigars and can afford them are buying them. Will there be an influx? Will there be a percentage of people, maybe another 20, 30, 40%? Or maybe there'll be a big influx initially of people that have never smoked Cubans and now it's legal and we want to buy some Cuban cigars. Yes. But I think that'll all kind of settle after the, the dust settles. There'll be a bump. I mean, it was a scare. And before all these prices and before everything else happened, when Obama started loosening the regulations, the rest of the world started to freak out saying, Oh my God, they thought the embargo was over and we're going to be done. And we'll never be able to smoke another Cuban again because all the Americans are going to buy them. And so that did one of two things. One was that all these other countries started before these huge price increases and everything else. People were like, okay, well, we better start figuring out maybe we can pick a non-Cuban cigar that we can kind of use somewhat and smoke it every now and then to kind of phase ourselves into. And so there was a little bit of an open market for non-Cubans for a while. And, you know, since the pandemic and since these price increases, yeah, it's, it's a whole nother game. But yeah, that definitely people freaked out. And you'd be surprised if you talk to any retailer after Obama loosened the regulations, how many calls a day a retailer would get, hey, you have Cuban cigars for sale. No, there's still an embargo in place. But people, you know, the, the average person didn't know, saw all the Cuban news and thought, oh, now we can buy Cuban cigars. So there was some interest. I, it's more of a curiosity for people. But at the end of the day, no, I think people would have settled back to what they're used to, what they're used to smoking. Maybe there would have been a big a bump in, in business, but not huge. Because I do believe that most people that smoke Cuban cigars in the U.S. are buying them now and have been and will continue to buy them. And can afford them because well, they're that goes not cheap. <laughs> nope. they're, they're not cheap. James and his doctor money. And whatever i wish i had doctor money i'd have I, that humidor would still be full like look if you look at the humidor right now like you probably see more non-cuban than you see cuban but that used to be full of cuban i've just smoked them all in the last uh two two years like and i have a i have a a, a box of 10 monte cristo number twos that i haven't cracked open yet uh and i have i have one how much will a, you sell those sir for? winston what happened? I'm not going to sell those. <laughs> those are special cigars that I only Here. bust out. But like, so here's my, we're talking about Cuban cigars. And I know this episode's supposed to be about uh, Rob Ayala. He was a great guest. Like guys, if friends of a bottle, go check it out. But Cuban cigars versus non-Cuban cigars versus, you know, when the U.S., if the U.S. ever opens it up, you you honestly don't think there'd there'd be that big of a difference between like, I feel like I know look, manufacturers say all the time, like a lot of them. If you watch that hand rolled video, the first one that came out a couple of years ago, they all talk about how great Cuban cigars are. Or no, what do they say? They say Cuban cigars are shit, but my cigar is Cuban-esque. So it's it, it's speaking out of both sides of their mouth. You're telling me, Nick, that that you don't think that these manufacturers would would do their best to procure Cuban cigars 
or, or Cuban tobacco if they could to, yeah, to use sure. in their own blends. Yeah, but they never will. They'll never sell it on any big level. But what would be, it would be another marketing thing. You know, they'll buy some, they'll put a half a leaf in a cigar and say, oh, this has Cuban tobacco. If it's legal in the U.S., that's what would happen. You know, it'd be a blend. And no matter what they actually put in there, they would say there was some Cuban tobacco. What hmm. percentage would, you're saying, would, that would happen. Yeah, but would that, that would just be a money grab at that point, wouldn't it? Of course. That's what, <laughs> yeah. You know, for people that say, oh, I want to smoke a Cuban cigar, if you could buy a, a Cuban tobacco and, and manufacture and sell in the U.S., every manufacturer would have a Cuban cigar in their, you know, portfolio just for those people. Yep. And they would charge, you know, crazy money for it. And it would be a huge money grab. Absolutely. Business. So, but, but, but wouldn't that impact, I, I, I guess my question is, wouldn't that impact I mean, even if they're not buying it at high levels, like there's not like there's extra fucking Cuban tobacco at the end of every year that, that the right. Cubans are holding on to. No, so they, even if they what, came what in they would sell, no, no, they would sell. There's a lot of Cuban tobacco that's produced in many regions in Cuba. Now, they don't use a lot of that other tobacco or they use it in certain fillers. So there's a lot of Cuban tobacco that's used for their machine stuff and other things. They would sell that tobacco. You know, there are some, not a huge, it's not like there's huge influx of uh, Cuban tobacco. There's not a lot of Cuban tobacco, especially right. now. But yeah, they would sell some because if Cuba could get Cuba tobacco, meaning the, the, the government of Cuba, if they could sell tobacco and get a money grab right at a higher price and they're selling it to Habanos, which is their other half, uh, yeah, they would do it. And they would do it because they need money. So they would absolutely do it. They wouldn't sell the best stuff because, you know, the Habanos, you know, corporation would be like, hey, you guys can't do that. You know, not that they would care. It would be done, you know, on the side. Would would you see would you see collaborations between companies like, uh, for example, uh, you know. Somebody goes in like, hey, let's do a collaboration with the Legito factory. Let's let's try to get a cohesive. No, I, I don't. I don't, don't ever see so. that happening. No, I don't see that happening. It, it would ruin the mystique. The idea of Cuban tobacco from the Cuban side is that this is superior and the only tobacco you should smoke and everything else is inferior. That, that's what they've been, you know, working on forever. And if they would do a collaboration with a non-Cuban cigar officially, you know, Habanos never happened. No, that's what makes a Habano that it's a hundred percent Cuban tobacco. That's what they say. Do you're the expert when it comes to Cuban tobacco, and you're certainly the expert on this panel when it comes to non-Cuban tobacco. Okay, at least on this panel. Yeah, yeah, on this panel. I, I don't. I don't. I, I, look, <laughs> I don't want to throw take around, much. I don't want to throw around words like master blender, uh, but no, I will no, if I do that. No, no, no. So, Nick, let me ask you this: Is Cuban tobacco, in your expert and learned opinion, is Cuban tobacco better? Uh, superior than non-Cuban tobacco? You know, that's a uh, a loaded question. Is it better? It depends on the person smoking them. It depends on who the smoker is, the end consumer. The answer is not to some, but others, yes. If you talk to somebody that regularly digests Cuban cigars or only decides, they're going to tell you 100% that that's true. But in general, I like the flavor profile of Cuban cigars. And there are people like me that smoke and manufacture, you know, I can tell you when we had Pete Johnson, Pete Johnson was a huge, you know, lover of Cuban cigars and still likes Cuban cigars. Does that mean 
that he would tell you they're better? No. But I think he would say that it's got some really nice flavor profiles and nuances in a Cuban cigar. It depends on who you ask. That that question I could not answer, is Cuban tobacco better? I think if you ask the Cubans, if you ask Cabanos, and you ask anybody that rarely smokes Cuban cigar, the answer would be yes, 100%. Somebody that never does or rarely does or only buys it because they say it's Cuban, no, they would tell you no, absolutely not. So that's yeah, the way I'm going to answer with, that you, question. Yeah, I want your personal <laughs> opinion. I'm trying to nail you down, Nick. I'm trying to put you in a corner. In your opinion, because you've, you, you've worked with both. You, it is, in your opinion, is Cuban tobacco superior than non-Cuban? And I, I'm asking, I, I get that I'm asking a non-Cuban manufacturer. I, I, so I understand yeah, that. But Yeah, but that's, it's again, a question of if you get really good Cuban tobacco, there is, it's amazing, you know, and it's hard to replicate or even come close to what those flavor profiles are being put out. Impossible. But, um, can I tell you it's better? No, it depends on the person. I think th I love Cuban tobacco, good Cuban tobacco, well-rolled, good Cuban cigars. Yeah, that happens to be my flavor profile because, again, my background is for the first 10 years of my smoking, uh, I smoked predominantly Cuban cigars, you know, in, in the uh, 90s. Uh, I preferred it. Now, I smoke non-Cubans just as much, but my preference was was Cuban. It's a matter of personal preference. So. Asking me, my personal, I, I like Cuban tobacco. I really do. I love the taste. I love the, the profile. I love smoking them. But I love non-Cuban as much, too. I love my own stuff, you know. But, again, all the stuff that I've blended, the, all the LH stuff, it's with that in the back of my brain saying, this is what I like, so I'm going to produce stuff for people that like me that like Cuban cigars. And so that's what I think I, I you know, what I set out to accomplish and People tend to like them. People that smoke yeah. Cuban cigars tend to like my cigars. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a no, secret. No, your your uh, LH Claro is the most Cuban esque cigar I've ever smoked. And I always tell people, and they're like, "Man, I really wish I could smoke a Cuban." I'm like, go get an LH Claro, like right now. That's as close as you're going to get to a Cuban cigar. It's going to give you the same type of profile and the same type of notes. And it's not. There's others be... that produce really good Cuban esque cigars as well, but who know, else? That's who, in your my opinion, because... I, I, not that I'm going to bring anybody else. Out. No, there <laughs> okay, are others see? out there, you know. See, but, I, but... Honestly, I, we mentioned another. I like Aganorsa because the master blender, the the head of that factory, you know, comes from a Cuban background. Most of these factories have old time Cuban guys, you know, but you know their their palates change along the way too. But it depends on what the blender wants, the individual brand owner blender. So they'll produce what they want. There's a lot of people that do not like Cuban cigars. And, you know, you can give it to them, tell them how much it costs. Maybe they'll smoke it because it's expensive, like people that buy just name brand stuff. Tim but, won't. Tim you know, yeah, no, yeah. I won't. Yeah, okay. Well, like, how much I mean, was that, that cigar? I'm not smoking that. No way. Right. Same thing when, when you guys were talking about, you know, Try, just trying a cigar, a cigar you've never had before, you know, and, and that cost us 70 or 80 bucks. Like that's a, that's a big spend if it's not a special yeah, but that's occasion. But just to you know, try we've something. talked about this uh, in the last few episodes quite a bit, but I mean, that's where the non-Cuban market's headed as well. Uh, you see these $40, $60, $100, $300 cigars from these non-Cuban manufacturers. 
And I just, I just kind of roll my eyes. I look, I've smoked several hundred dollar cigars. They're not worth a hundred dollars. Not one of them. Were they good cigars? Sure. They were good cigars, but were they a hundred dollars good? No. Well, you know what? We're non-Cuban manufacturers always are quick to slam the Cuban because you know, it's business and competition. One little story I like to tell is Cuba kind of created this leaf called the Medio Tempo, which is the top of the plant that in Cuba, it's, it's another priming that only certain plants produced. And they labeled it, produced it. Nobody had ever, ever mentioned that word before. Nobody knew what Medio Tempo was. But now you hear it all the time by non-Cuban manufacturers calling, oh, this has Medio Tempo. I'm like, really? Now, where did you come up with that? You know, did you create it? No, Cuba did first. They created that, you know, that little thing. Is it real? Yes. It's a leaf of priming that, you know, a lot of the plants just don't produce and it's a much smaller percentage. So they started saying the same thing. They, they I guess they put a label on it. Cuba put a label on it. They called it Medio Tempo and the rest of the industry, the non-Cuban industry started using those terms as well. Not everybody, just a few people, but I, I had to chuckle every time I hear a non-Cuban brand come up with, oh, this has Medio Tempo in there. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's funny. But anyway. I wanted to talk real quick because um, I didn't realize this because in America, everything is imported and, and taxed per unit of measure. Um, but uh, other countries are taxed on weight. Sure. On tobacco. Well, it depends on what the product is, you know, and in tobacco, certain countries like a lot of the ones that are under the crown, uh, like England and Canada. And I would imagine, um, you know, Australia as well, even though I'm pretty sure that anything having to do with the crown, they are, it's by weight, weight of the actual cigar. So if your cigar happens to be a heavier weighted cigar, it's going to cost more in taxes. So, yeah. Yeah, you're shipping Gordos. You're going to pay more than shipping Corona. Yep. And yeah. is that just the raw product or does that include packaging and everything? No, it's the actual cigar itself, not the boxes and everything else. They're, they're weighing the actual stick, you know, and they're all, again, within a few grams of each other. And, uh, you know, they're, they're being, they come up with, okay, this is the average of what this cigar weighs. And they have a little scale at the customs office and they know, Hey, this is what's coming in. This is what it is. And this is what we're going to charge them by the gram. Wait. In, okay. So they actually weigh it there at uh, Im importation or at the, Oh, that don't think they do it every time, but maybe they do. If it's something <clears throat> new that they've never come across another brand. Um, but they have a list. Like I would imagine, I, I you know, that they, okay, this is a, a Cohiba Esplendido. We know that this weighs X amount. This is what we charge you know, in taxation for this cigar. So they have a list like everything else. Yeah, that's, to me, that was, that was uh, kind of crazy because I just assume, because I'm a dumb Yankee, that everything in the world works exactly like it does here. So hearing that it's done by weight was kind of crazy. Um, I, I tell you what, because I know uh, uh, everybody is sitting in a really good spot right now. Um, I, I did want to kind of bring up that uh something rob said you know taking the time uh to touch base with your friends uh and smoke a cigar and have conversations 
uh, kind of the reason why we do this show and, and many others. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to end this episode uh, with that and kind of remind people that uh, sometimes you got to sit back and take some time and uh, say hello. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. I just wanted you're to usually let pretty, you're I just usually wanted pretty to let it hang picking up right there. Let it hang there. I, yeah. I was waiting. I just wanted to let it hang like, for a minute. Okay. Like Tim Awkward. Like, oh. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And Nick says this all the time. Like, it, this is the great equalizer. You can yeah. sit down with it, it, somebody in a lounge. You have no idea who this person is. They could be the CEO of some Wall Street you know, he could be a Wall Street mogul. He could be a CEO. He could be whatever king. And I say from kings to street sweepers and everyone in between. Like you can sit down, and you should do that. You should sit down with your friends, especially. And we've talked about this before, where most of our friends are cigar smokers. That's who we prefer to hang out with because we know yeah. when we hang out with them, we're going to be able to sit down, have a cigar, and enjoy some great conversation and a great cigar. And yeah, you're right, Tim, 100. percent I mean, tobacco. I've always said is a magical leaf. It's a magical product. I mean, before there were cigars, there was the peace pipe that the indigenous people were smoking. Something about smoking tobacco brought people together, about the smoke going up to God and whatever they called their gods up there. From uh, There's something magical about tobacco and about smoking cigars. And uh, I think it brings people together and it, yeah. it bonds people. And uh, it's something that, you know, it makes you take time and sit and relax and smoke a cigar and it's always better to smoke it with friends always and you're always. never gonna you're never gonna know when you're sitting in a lounge right next to a manufacturer somebody who makes cigars for a living yeah sure always could happen maybe maybe <laughs> wow James, okay, Tim. James, what do we got coming up? Come on. Uh, what do we got coming up? This comes out uh, the end of January, so February. We've got uh, um, uh, Scott Pierce, executive director of the PCA. Uh, then we clear the air after that where we talk about Scott behind his back and then put it out for everybody to listen to. And then after that, we've got Sarah Rodriguez and Rick Rodriguez from West Tampa Tobacco. Uh, we're very excited to have them back on the show, and then the, we'll talk about both of them behind their back uh, the week after. Uh, after that, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're getting ready for the PCA trade show. Uh, so we're gearing up for that. Lots of good stuff. Guys, we'll have the after dark first uh, Friday of March, February, February 2nd, first Friday of February, uh, where you can hang out with us for two hours. It's our first and only two cigar show. Uh, where we'll answer your questions. If you're a member of the LE Club, you can join live and hang out with us and talk and be a part of the show. Uh, and if you're not, well, you can hang out in the chat room. But if you want to become an LE Club member, just go to simplystogies.com, click the LE Club in the right corner, sign up. $100 a year, $10 a month. That's minimum. That is the lowest bar of entry. Uh, and you can jump on the show as well and have a good time with us. Or you can, like I said, just uh, say hello in the chat, ask your questions there. Be more than happy to interact with you and answer your questions uh, there live every uh, first Friday of every month on our After Dark show. That's going to do it for us. Remember, guys, if you are going to order Cuban cigars, make sure you follow your local, state, federal laws uh, when doing so, which means if you live in the United States, you can't do it. And I've never done it. Not once. Uh, all yours are fake anyway. All, they're all fake. Uh, that's That's Nick, my friend, Nick. It's my friend Tim, somewhere around here. I'm James. Till next time, stay smoky, friends. <laughs>